This episode goes back to December of 2016 when I had a chance to chat with Jim Wahlberg. Jim uh, has been a realtor for quite a number of years, started off as a surfer in Southern California, now sails the Caribbean and specializes in, in transactions worldwide, but also in Northern California. Uh, very interesting gentleman and someone that I met at the Inman conferences. So listen in and check out Jim Wahlberg from December 2016. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. I've known our guest uh, on today's episode 71 for a few years, but but really connected with him recently as he provided care and comfort to an Inman Connect ambassador, Nate Ellis, and Nate's mom as, he, as Nate battled an illness that tragically took his life last April. Um, I've been aware of Jim's presence at the Inman Connects. And he's always been a very interesting guy, very passionate about what he does and taking care of others. And today, we're going to find out more about Jim Wahlberg of the Bay Area team with Pacific Union Christie's International Real Estate on the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thank you very much, Bill. It's a pleasure to be with you. I just wanted to touch for a moment on Nate Ellis and the tragic passing of him last April. Um, you know, you... You knew Nate uh, fairly well, I think. What was your relationship with Nate like? How did you come to know him? Well, we we met uh, locally through um, uh, through our real estate industry. He he was originally in the mortgage industry, and then uh, got into real estate, and then took over the leadership position of the education arm of the Contra Costa Association of Realtors. I know that you were very close to Nate, especially in the last few months of his life. And I just want to reach out for the entire community and say thank you for for the care and, and that you provided for Nate and for keeping everyone apprised of his situation. I, I think you were just amazing during that process. And I just wanted to have a chance to say thank you. Yeah, no, it was, it was a gift, uh, Bill. Uh, it's one that I did not know how it was going to turn out. Uh, when I answered Nate's call for help that first week of February, uh, I didn't realize that it was going to be a three-month journey with him. Uh, and the the biggest gift of all was meeting his mom and, and also having them reconnect. Uh, they had been estranged for almost 20 years, oh, wow. and it was just the biggest gift in the world that they uh, their hearts got mended and back together again. That's great, Th- uh, Jim. Once again, I, I just all I can say is thank you. And and on a personal note, I, I want to say thank you for for helping me identify myself differently when um, I talk about my life's journey. As you know, I'm a colon cancer survivor, is how I used to call myself, and you as well. Not only colon cancer, but I think prostate cancer survivor. And when I mentioned that online one time, you corrected me. And I've now used a new word ever since. I am a colon cancer thriver. And I thank you very much for that phrase, Jim. Yes, it is. Obviously, I'm passionate about that phrase. Uh, you and I, Bill, and and all the other thrivers know what it's like to crawl across the finish line, exhausted, uh, close to death, 
uh, and make it through to the other side. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's just amazing. So let's, let's get down to the actual podcast. I've, I've, uh, we've had enough of that. I want to, let's talk about you and you, um, you've been in the Bay area for a long time, but I believe you were born in Southern California, right? Yes. I grew up uh, just a block from the pier in Redondo beach. Nice. Uh, it was wherever someone is at 10 years old, you think it's normal. And at uh, 10 years old, my normal was was the beach, was sailing and diving and surfing and fishing. And I thought that's what every kid at 10 years old had. But uh, I knew I know now that it was a, a really a, a privilege, even though we we had almost nothing financially. We had the ocean. Yeah, I grew up in San Diego myself, not a block from the Ocean Beach Pier, but Two and a half, fifteen miles, um, and even at that age, uh, I remember being able to take the bus to the beach in the summertime. But for you, it really, literally was. You got home from school, and if no one was telling you to do homework. You were you were headed off to the ocean, right? I just would stay out until the street lights came on. <laughs> that was the rule, huh? That was the rule. That's nice. So you grew up uh, there in Redondo Beach, spent your whole childhood there. Then you ended up going to Cal State Long Beach. Am I right? I did. And what, what did you study there? And what was your what were you going to be when you finished school? Well, I studied uh, history and um, and minored in English. And I actually thought I was going to be a high school teacher. OK. Uh, so that was what my originally thought. Uh, a friend of mine uh, from college ended up moving up to Berkeley and starting a a little employee benefit company. Uh, and at that time, that was a, a really a, a, a pretty lucrative business to get into. And he asked if I would join him. Uh, I ended up, without much thought, uh, moving to uh, the East Bay of San Francisco Bay Area in 1970 and joined him. And then a few years later, bought him out and ended up growing that business into a big business and sold it to Transamerica Corporation in 1985. So you were with that company, that, that whole thing, 15 years. That was a big chunk of uh, right out of school. Yes. Yep. So somehow we got to get you into real estate. So how did you get involved in, in that industry? And was there some sort of an aha moment that you remember? Well, the, the world of real estate, uh, I came into it as a spec builder uh, using it for my personal investment, uh, I had really was amazed at what real estate did for me from 1970 until 1979. It was an incredible growth period in the Bay Area. In 1979, I, I built uh, a spec house, just one house to see if I could build something and sell it and make a profit. Uh, and I ended up uh, building 16 uh, spec houses uh, over a period of time through 1985. Uh, so that was my original uh, foray into the world of real estate, except I was a client as opposed to a, a real estate professional. Uh, I was very uh, unimpressed with the real estate industry. Uh, I felt that it was... Uh, typically over-promise and under-deliver experience. I never rehired the same realtor to sell my spec houses. 
uh, it was truly at that time putting a sign on the ground and and uh, putting it on the MLS and they would go about their business of waiting for somebody to bring an offer. And that was not my experience as a business person. Uh, I looked at the realtor as a short-term consulting contract and that just wasn't the experience I had. So I, I was not a fan of the real, of the profession at that time. Somehow you've got a, you're not a fan, but you end up becoming a realtor. <laughs> How does that happen? Well, in 1990, uh, one of my great friends and still a dear friend, Dennis Simkin, approached me about uh, coming in as a business partner with him and starting a real estate company. Uh, I originally said no. I said I have no interest in having my name connected as a realtor. And he said, well, you don't have to do that. You just I just want you to be the managing partner of the firm and grow the business. So I said, well, let's go. So we started a company called uh, United California Brokers. Uh, it evolved uh, over many years and ended up being absorbed by the person that owned the franchise of Sotheby's. Uh, so that was, and really within four months or five months of me uh, sitting beside Dennis and growing this little business into a, a little regional brokerage, I said, you know what, if I think I'm so darn smart and think that I could deliver a different experience to clients than the one I had experienced as, as other realtors had really disappointed me, I said, I might as well get my license and put my money where my mouth is and, um, and go for it. Dennis and I became real estate business partners also, uh, and that's how it began. I love that attitude. I I'm, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm seeing that so much more in some of the some of the people in the industry that you know kind of built cut their teeth on coaching have decided you know what I'm tired of trying to coach other realtors how to do this if they won't do what I'm asking them to do and now they're out there and they've become realtors and they're successful. I mean, real quick, Nicole Nicolay comes to mind or even um, Darren Persinger, you know, people that were coaching in the past who said I can do this. And they're doing it. I just think that's awesome. Yeah, no, no, Nicole obviously is in our backyard, and she and I are such dear friends, uh, personally and professionally. She's also a, a, a crazy nut athlete that I've gotten involved with uh, Cycle for Survival, which is a, an, a national event that we I've participated in now five years. Uh, she, this will be her third year participating with me. But yeah, she's uh, she's an excellent example of that. Now you're with Pacific Union Christie's International Real Estate, which is a mouthful. And when I see the word Christie's, my first thought is, wow, that's like the big auction house that handles those really cool auctions. Are they related? How, tell us about the structure of that company. Yeah, it's interesting. Christie's uh, made a decision, oh my gosh, probably 2008 or nine. This is the auction house in London that um, they they might want to get involved in partnering up with uh, really uh, amazing boutique real estate brokerages because their rationale is you need some place to hang the art. Uh, <laughs> right. So they uh, one of their phrases is um, you know buying a piece of art that you live in. 
and that's their view of a house. Uh, they have 132 partnerships around the world now, uh, one of which is Pacific Union. Uh, they they jumped in with Christie's in 2009 after a lot of investigation, and it's been a it's been a wonderful partnership that has opened up the world to us, not just the San Francisco Bay Area. Talk talk about some of the other parts of the world where we can find Christie's affiliated brokerages. Oh man, they're they're literally all over the world, Bill, from Asia to Europe to South America. I mean, anywhere you've got uh, a active real estate community, you're going to find a Christie's partnership. Uh, we have uh, some wonderful connections in Europe. Uh, when we're in Europe, we spend a lot of time with our Christie's uh, partners and uh, are just so pleased with the association. You're connected worldwide now with that uh, relationship. Well, we've, we've been connected worldwide since 2005. Uh, we joined Civic Union uh, four years ago, and probably, Bill, because of their international connections. Okay. Uh, it's a world that we play in and that we enjoy. Yeah, let's talk about one particular area of the world that you seem to enjoy a lot, and that's the Caribbean. And I, it's when you when you start looking at Jim Wahlberg and playing around a little bit, there's this really big tie to Caribbean real estate. Can you tell us how that came about? Well, it, uh, the fun part about that uh, that uh, positioning in the mind's eye of our audience regarding the Caribbean, uh, we uh, we decided to buy a brokerage in 2000 in the Caribbean. The only place we could do it because of being U.S. citizens was the U.S. Virgin Islands. So we bought a brokerage in St. Thomas. Our end game was to, or at least not our end game, but a part of that game plan was to, to live down there full-time as of 2009. I, I had sailed, been sailing down there since 1975, and it's like my second home. Uh, so the Caribbean, my my adorable wife and business partner, Anne-Marie, was uh, courageous enough to tag along on this one. And uh, we um, we did buy it. I did have a great uh, leadership team that I put together there. And I ended up uh, going down from San Francisco about every six weeks uh, for uh, checking in, accountability, fine-tuning, and uh, we grew that business for about five years. Uh, what occurred with the financial meltdown is that worldwide is that all the purchases in the Caribbean were discretionary income purchases. Right. Right. They were all cash. Uh, and when the meltdown happened, we went from a thriving business in 2009 to zero transactions in 2010. Uh, we were fortunate to sell the business at that time. I've made two or three good decisions out of my hundreds of bad ones. <laughs> uh, that one was a good one to get out. We did. We, we did get our money back, and that business was non-existent a year later. So you, you talk about your love of sailing. Were you, doing, were you doing any of that back in Redondo Beach back in the day, or did that come around later? No, I was sailing in Redondo Beach. I, I I can't remember. I'm sure there was a time when I wasn't sailing. Uh, but I remember, um, no, I was sailing all the time. Uh, 
I think I started out in the little lasers, and uh, by the time I was 16, I had a a 35 foot uh, sailboat. Just sailed all the time. Wow, that's uh, uh, you know, growing up in San Diego, I've been on a Hobie cat or two. <laughs> <laughs> out, out, yeah. in, out in the bay, but, um, you know, sailing, uh, ocean sailing is a whole different world. Uh, you, you got, it's a whole different level in my opinion, right? You know, I think, I don't think about it that way, Bill. I, I mean, it's just, uh, I, I guess the way I would describe it is when you've done it so long, no matter what it is you're doing, uh, either in real estate or as a carpenter or whatever it is you're doing for a very long time, you evolve into a place of unconscious competence. So I feel just pretty much at home on a sailboat. That makes perfect sense. I'm going to say maybe I've almost reached that on a golf course. How's that? Does that work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so you, you work with a lot of international clients, you know, from your office and you have your, you mentioned earlier with, uh, you have your CIPS designation, your international designation. What are, what are some of the challenges you face and in, in that in that realm of your business? And can you share maybe a success story or two or some challenge you were able to overcome? Yeah, you know, I'm going to start uh, back in the Caribbean, uh, Bill. When we got down there, my whole idea was how do we, how, do, how are we going to be found? So I started blogging with the idea that it may take me a year or two to get some traction with my blog site and get some SEO on, on Google. I had no idea that very few people down there were blogging. So within four months, I received a call from the London Financial Times asking if they could speak to Jim Wahlberg uh, because they wanted to interview that person to find out what was going on in the Caribbean world of real estate. Wow. Uh, I ended up uh, being so surprised because I, I didn't know uh, what was going on. I just arrived four months ago. So I uh, said, you know what, I'm in the midst of a meeting. Could you send me the questions you're going to be asking? And and then uh, let's set a, a future time uh, this week to chat. So I scrambled like crazy to get the answers to the questions that they had presented. And then that article was printed and the the connections up until today that we have with international developers happened from that article. Wow. We ended up being the marketing director for internet marketing for projects from Aruba to the Dominican Republic. And when the Caribbean shut down, uh, those developers were still developing other places in the world, and they wanted to know if we would still work with them. Uh, so we have continued on uh, with them on various projects, primarily in Europe. The uh, the CIPS was meant to just get further education. Uh, it's something that that we were already heavily involved with uh, with with uh, international transactions. I mean, it's a wild west uh, when it comes to real estate in most countries in the world. You generally can print a business card that. Uh, says uh, Jim Wahlberg, uh, realtor, or in that, in most cases, it's called an estate agent. Uh, there's no, there's no title company. There's no escrow. Uh, it, everything is as uh, buying things as is. You have to do your own research uh, on property records that are all pieces of paper, as opposed oh. to 
digitized. Right. Uh, the main the main character is a notary. Uh, the notary, in, in most cases, called the notaire. They're the ones that sign off that the property is transferring title from one person to another. Uh, successes, uh, we just closed escrow uh, just last month on a flat in Paris in the 18th, about two blocks from Montmartre. Uh, it happened to be owned by one of our clients in uh, in the Bay Area. They had it for 30 years, and they they wanted to cash out, and they knew that that we were uh, involved internationally, and asked if we could could uh, take care of that for them. We partnered up with our Christie's affiliate in Paris, and uh, found found the buyer. The, but the biggest challenge is uh, is is who you're dealing with when you're talking about what are some of the real challenges. Uh, you've got to be dealing with somebody you trust completely because there are times at the very beginning when I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, I didn't get paid and I didn't know how to collect the money uh, afterwards uh, because I was not dealing with an honorable person. So one of the keys, and it's probably the same bill, whether we're in Phoenix or whether in San Francisco, is you just want to make sure you're hanging out with amazing people. Uh, so it doesn't matter if it's Paris or Geneva or Tuscany or uh, San Francisco or Phoenix, that that's probably the truth for all of us. Yeah, you got to put a team together. You're right. Uh, it's it's what every new agent learns getting in the business, right? Is get your team together and you just you just take it to a different level. So I've, I've heard from multiple sources and I don't know if you're aware of this, Jim, but I've been to presentations where your name comes up and the amazing service you provide is discussed. Were you aware of that? No. It's happening. It's very, it's very, very kind. I, <laughs> I need those people's names. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Chris Smith was one of them. Can, can you talk about the importance of service in the market that you work in? And, and really, it's, it's, it doesn't matter if it's luxury or if it's not luxury. Service is service, right? And, and talk yeah. about what, what you do and how you handle it. Well, I don't know what we do, Bill. I will tell you where we start each day. And literally, this is our daily mantra when we start, is how is it that we can surprise, delight, and dazzle someone today? And if that didn't happen by the end of the day, that was something went wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a database and an audience of clients and sphere of influence of about 1,700 people. So the 1,700 people are ones that uh, we just take really, really good care of. I'm, I'm talking about really good care of. Uh, we touch them uh, probably 40 times or more a year in some manner. So, uh, you know, constant, constant uh, touching and, and contacts and phone calls. And uh, we have our top 100 that we take care of even more in more special ways. Uh, so it's just a, a nonstop touching that uh, that we do from we just never stop. We just never stop touching our database. Yeah, and you 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 have some special events that uh, you you regularly invite your 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 clients to. You've really, um, it's not simply phone calls and emails, right? No, no, no. We have um, we're very involved in and passionate about serving our community. Uh, when those opportunities come up, we we engage our our audience to join us. Awesome. Uh, one, the One Warm Coat Project, uh, the food bank. Food bank is something I'm incredibly passionate about. Uh, 
in our community, Bill, there's 120,000 meals served every month to people that are hungry. Wow. And I just find that appalling. And how is it that we can contribute and help and support uh, that effort? Uh, this last uh, food drive that we did within our database, I think we connect, collected about 5,000 pounds of food. Wow. Uh, and a significant amount of donations. Uh, I think probably close to $5,000 in donations to the food bank. Uh, and that just comes from our database. These are people that that uh, that embrace the things that we're passionate about and giving back. And and uh, so we we just involve them in all the things that we're doing. You're a baby boomer like me, correct? I am. I was born in 1948. So. You've embraced social media in a big way, and you're one of those examples because there are a lot of people that early on when social media was getting bigger, uh, people my age and older would say, ah, it's for the kids. It's not going to help me. Has it helped your business, Jim? Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's an understatement, Bill. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, commitments I made uh, really started in 2005 was blogging. And the, the whole game in blogging, as you may remember, in 2005 was to deliver content to the Internet in a, a regular basis that was relevant content, and it would really help your SEO. Right. Uh, so your SEO, your search engine optimization was the – motivation, the motivation was how is it that I can be found? Uh, so it was something that, that I was very involved with and very passionate about uh, and ended up uh, getting found. Uh, I also was motivated because I did not want to be left behind. I felt that if I did not, uh, if I did not have my game on regarding the world of the internet and social media and online activity, that I'd become irrelevant. So we have, uh, and I, I had a belief system, Bill, maybe you did too at some point, that the only way you could have a relationship with someone was face to face. Right. Uh, I couldn't imagine that you could have a trusting. Uh, thoughtful, respectful relationship with someone that you physically had never met. So I just never even imagined that we'd get referrals from from social media. And in 2011, we got a call from a realtor in Atlanta, Georgia, that I'd never met. Uh, we were friends on Facebook, and she asked if we would help sell a house for her brother here in uh, San Francisco Bay Area. And I was stunned. I mean, it really changed my entire belief system about how relationships can be built online. Uh, we've now had 53 of those phone calls wow. uh, where we have closed escrows uh, from 53 different realtors that that generally I'd never met. The theme is is consistent when I ask them, why in the world are you calling me? Uh, and it's because they, they said, because it appears we have shared values. Uh, you seem to be uh, someone that is authentic uh, and someone that would be delivering a service to my client 
as I would if I was present in the Bay Area. And that literally, Bill, has been a consistent theme for all those when I ask that question. You know, why in the world are you calling me? Right. Uh, so it's it changed our, oh my gosh, Bill, it just changed our whole whole focus on uh, on participating in the world of social media. It sounds like, Jim, that your participation in that social media world was really building relationships. It wasn't promoting about how great you were. It was simply being you, right? Well, I, and I look back on it and even uh, today, that yes, that's, that, is the, that is the truth. It's just we're in the relationship business. Uh, it's not about Jim. It's not about the new listing that we just received or were hired to sell. Uh, it's about how to how is it that we can build uh, deep and wide, long-lasting relationships, and how is it that those relationships can be served? Is there something that I'm doing that would be of, able to be of service to those relationships? Right. And that that's where I come from. You're a big fan of the Inman Connect events. I know you've been to many of them uh, in the Bay Area. And tell me why that's so important. What keeps bringing you back to Inman? Well, the Inman, uh, I mean, I didn't uh, I didn't really understand what in the world I was getting into uh, five or six years ago when I attended the first one. I think, Bill, my original motivation was to physically meet some of those folks that I was connected to online that I'd never seen face-to-face. And I thought it would be fun to finally be face-to-face. And it certainly certainly is, and it certainly was. Uh, today, I look at the Inman Group as uh, as part of my uh, professional village and my professional family. So for me, it's like going to a family reunion. Uh, it wouldn't matter if there was any content whatsoever. Uh, the the conversations that happen, as you know, in the lobby uh, around a water cooler, a glass of wine are just invaluable. Right. Uh, but the frosting on the cake is that the content is also uh, provoking and relevant, um, uh, and the content is, is, is usually at, at, they're at the top of the game, what Morgan and Brad Inman are, are putting together with their leadership team. So I, I am just a crazy raving fan. As am I. Yeah, I think they do amazing things. And for anyone listening, if you're not like subscribing to Inman Select, what are you thinking? I mean, there's so much information right. that comes out of that, uh, that those channels. You know, if, if you and I could vote, I, my guess is we'd vote. Uh, and I've told Brad this multiple times. Why in the world don't they do New York in the summer and San Francisco in the winter? I've been saying that for years, Jim. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Come on, what are you thinking? Yeah, I agree. Oh, I, I've been. I'd, I'd rather have the humidity and the heat than the uh, ten feet of snow. Exactly, that's great. As I, I always do a little digging on a guest and to find something maybe that I didn't know that I can bring up. You, you're a member of Rotary. You're a Rotarian. How long have you been a Rotarian? I've been involved in Rotary since 1985, so it's been uh, been a while. Well, I've, I've been asked by some local people here that are uh, Rotary members to help them with their leadership training the last couple of years. And so having to do some research on Rotary, I, I got to be honest, I always thought they were just kind of like all the other groups out there. 
But I want to give you this chance to talk about Rotary, Jim. It it is, for me, it's mind-blowing how it's all about service and there's no agenda. Talk about what Rotary does. But the differentiating factor, uh, Bill, with Rotary is their international uh, focus. Uh, they have both a local focus in the community and what needs are are presented and how can they address those needs. Uh, but they're also focused internationally. Uh, to give you an example, I believe it was 1985 when the World Health Organization and the United Nations came to Rotary and said, we would like to eliminate polio in the world. And we would like you to be the lead on it because you have the boots on the ground. Uh, at that time, Rotary had 23,000 Rotary clubs throughout the world, many of them in Africa, uh, where they wanted to start. And Rotary said yes. Uh, people have no idea that the Rotary Foundation is probably the world's largest foundation. They began. They began uh, a whole process of inoculating, inoculating the entire population of children in the world. Uh, at the very last uh, part of this adventure, which has been just the last few years, the, literally the last 1% has been the most difficult to complete. And they engaged Bill Gates Foundation to partner with them uh, to finish off this uh, global elimination of polio. So not only do they uh, focus on the, the local community needs, but uh, they are, they are um, a gigantic force when it comes to doing something as grand as eliminating polio. Yeah, I would recommend anyone listening to this podcast Go ahead and, and look up Rotary International on Facebook. Go to their page. It is filled with some of the great things they're doing worldwide. And then, you know, in your own community, there's going to be a Rotary chapter somewhere if you want to find out more information. So, yeah, I just uh, congratulations for your service there over 30 years. That's that's awesome. I've had you the 30 minutes, I promised. Uh, I, I asked of you, so I want to respect your time. And let's wrap up with the same question I've asked every guest on the podcast. And it's a tough one, but if, if you had one piece of advice that you could give a new agent just getting started in the business, what would it be? Well, uh, Bill, I don't think I can do the one. Maybe there's going to be several. Okay. Uh, probably the first thing I'd do is start digging into why in the world they want to do this. There are lots of folks looking on the outside in to the real estate industry and think that, oh, my gosh, these people – they seem to play a lot. They seem to travel a lot, uh, and they just seem to make a lot of money, and it doesn't seem like it'd be that hard. Uh, they stick a sign on the ground and go to the bank and cash a check. And that is obviously the farthest from the truth that anyone could imagine. Right. Uh, it, is a, it is a business that is not for the faint of heart, uh, and I would want to find out what in the world are they thinking? Why would they do this? I'd also then explore with them uh, who their audience is. Uh, I don't believe it is possible to have, and I may be wrong, but I don't believe it's possible to have a successful successful real estate practice without an audience, and an audience of, that's going to be able to 
um, that you're going to be able to serve. Uh, the Rolling Stones have had a 40-year run, and they have an amazing audience. There are a million and a half garage bands in the United States that are garage bands because they don't have an audience. Right. Uh, so I'd, I'd explore with them about what, what, uh, what kind of audience do they have. I'd also recommend that they... Uh, if, when they get started, if they are going to jump in anyway, that they start uh, their practice with an established realtor or an established team in order to get the training and the support that is needed uh, to go from unconsciously incompetent uh, to move into that realm of conscious competence. Right. Uh, they need to support the training, the, the positive enriching culture uh, that hopefully they would connect themselves up with. And then uh, they're going to need some real uh, strong personal traits on discipline, uh, persistence, keeping a, a perspective, a positive attitude, uh, and, and also a, a commitment to lifelong learning. Uh, so that's my one uh, broken down into probably 10. I love the uh, lifelong learning portion of your your answer. I think that, uh, well, you're a prime example of that, that you're always trying to figure out um, what's next and how are we going to service our clients better. And, and kudos to you for doing that. Um, Jim, if somebody wants to reach out to you and ask you some more questions about, I don't know, the Caribbean, uh, <laughs> Redondo Beach, what's the best way for them to reach you? I'm not hard to find. Uh, <laughs> literally, I'm not hard to find it. Jim at jimwalberg.com is my email, and my cell phone is everywhere. So I'm just I'm just not hard to find. So that I welcome anyone to reach out and say hello. Jim, thank you so much for sharing your really incredible story with the uh, Real Estate Sessions podcast. Uh, I'm I'm so excited and very honored that uh, that you shared that with us. So thank you once again. My pleasure, Bill. Thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. (laughs) 